there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the, let me repeat, the Rock and Roll Podcast. Check out this record. My name is Frank, and with me is my good buddy, Mark. Hello, Frank, and hello, listener. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now Amazon Music Podcast. That's right. New episodes are dripping and dropping and slowly slipping and sliding their way into your ears every Friday morning. Love it. Love it. And for any new listeners out there, this is the podcast where Mark and I, we recommend albums to each other. We review them. Plus, we have a wide variety of musical discussions like our Spotlight Series, Mark, where we're going to dig into a band's catalog and we will see what comes out on the other side. Yeah. Or in our verse series where we pit two albums against each other and make them duke it out. Total stereo. Domination. Love it. Please be sure to check out our Instagram page and now our Facebook group. We like to drop additional content that will hopefully leave you wanting more of our musical goodness and Mark's random nonsense. And if you got a record that you want us to check out, just drop a comment wherever you find this. While you're at it, subscribe, give us a rating, a review, a like. So I say this, Mark, how are you, my man? Great. I'm good, brother. Um, really pumped. We're, we're finally making it to talking about the Cold Years record. Tonight, which we've been talking about for like three weeks now after we interviewed uh, Ross from the Cold Years. So it's finally time, folks at home. Uh, you've been playing along perfectly. You've listened to the record. You know what we're going to talk about. We're, we're really excited. How are, how are you, Frank? I'm good, my man. I'm good. And, you, and you're right. So after we had a chat with Ross from the Cold Years, I wanted to take a look at um, something he, he said. And he mentioned that he sees the band as a punk band, something many people have been calling Heartland Punk. But, but he mentioned... I didn't think the record came across that way and it was more like rock and roll. So Mark, let's, before we get into the album, let's take a minute and we're not going to do a traditional top list here, but it's going to kind of be a, a list of things that we go through. Let's sure. take a minute and look at some bands uh, that are doing something along those lines. So let's talk about the bands that blur the lines between punk or hardcore and cross it over into more traditional rock and roll feel. Let's do that, right? Yeah, Frank, I have to tell you, we are at an interesting crossroads for the the genre that is punk rock. Uh, you know, between the, uh, the number of bands, even just small local acts, uh, like us used to love playing in the garage, singing along to our own songs and, and building this bond uh, that folks are enjoying right now on the internet. You know, the genre has gone through so many shapes and forms um, that, you know, a new album like The Cold Years uh, Paradise, uh, we're gonna talk about in a little bit, move the needle, um, you know, beyond just being a bar graph of what punk rock is, we've now got like this, you know, like this delicious pie chart of, mm. of punk rock and the, and the different pie. ways it expands outward. You know, I mean, and really that's what this, this genre was built on, right? Was It was the, the genre of bands that didn't fit anywhere else. That's the only way you get the Ramones and Blondies and Talking Head and The Clash and X and Suicide all lumped together in a single genre. Um, you know, it wasn't until the second wave where things began to kind of homogenize with the birth of hardcore. Right. Um, with rock and roll being, you know, kind of the basis uh, of all these bands, it's only natural that we've seen uh, some bands that, that are identify as punk that come across as a little bit more of that kind of traditional black leather jacket uh, rock and roll. Um, it feels very natural that we end up with a band that would, with, with bands, excuse me, that would blur the line uh, totally. between punk and rock and roll. So I'm, I'm really interested to see uh, where this will lead. Yeah, me, me too. And, and I think what's cool, like, let's look right now, if, 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 if 
Um, if you think it'll be a good idea, I think it definitely will. Well, some bands, right? And of course, we'll forget. Listen, we're not going to cover all of them, but uh, these are bands I think may contain some of those elements that that we were just mentioning. And let's see if uh, that way of thinking is is right. Am I on to something here, or maybe it's just you know, maybe just me kind of talking on <laughs> my eyes a little bit, or uh, you know, maybe we could talk about the bands and see if we like them or not. But does that sound good to you, Mark? Yeah, that sounds great. I love this idea of exploring, uh, would you call it heartland punk rock? Yeah, something like that, right? Where, where it's that blur line between punk, rock and roll, the heartland feel, and let's see what we get. So first up here, let's go with social distortion, Mark. I what? mean, what? Is this where it began? I mean, this is, for me, where it's like punk-influenced music met rock and roll. I, I think this band transcends multiple rock subgenres. Uh, you have your punk fans, your rock and roll fans, your outlaw country fans, general music fans, you name it. Early on, yes, they were more punk. And then as Mike Ness structured the sound, and as he mentioned, actually, it's the Ramones getting in a car crash with Hank Williams, right? And when I think of them, I do think of rock and roll with distorted style punk guitars. And for me, I love all the records, with the exception of the last one, but that's okay. Uh, but I, you know, I'm on a kick uh, right now between uh, with Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell, uh, cold feelings, bad luck, uh, bye bye baby, such stellar tunes. Uh, but Mark, talk to us a little bit about social D and kind of you know that whole meshing of punk and rock. Yeah, I, I love that description of social distortion. Uh, the Ramones getting into a car crash with Hank Williams. It's very clever, sir. Um, and I thought it was you who said it until you told me it was Mike Ness. I'm sorry. Um, it, it's an honest and I think fair statement. Uh, I'm with you on their albums. My personal favorite is uh, right now, anyways. Sex, Love, and Rock and Roll. Like, oh, just so happened good. to pick this up on, on vinyl. Um, so good. You, you know, it's, it's, the band really channels this late 50s, early 60s rock and roll feel with the, the punk edge they've yeah. always brought with their work. Um, I particularly love Reach for the Sky, uh, Footprints on My Ceiling. I was important to follow, which oh, I so good. is a, uh, he wrote for Joey Ramone after he passed. Yeah. Um, Live Before You Die. I mean, it's just a great record. And it it really encompasses that rock and roll feel, um, but still has that edge of rebellion, that um, that sense of uh, DIY punk rock aesthetic that, that they've so known for over all the years. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, so cool, man. So cool. And socially, definitely, I think one of the early on uh, pioneers of that for sure. Uh, next we're going to talk about uh, Dave Haas and, and the loved ones. And I would say funny story about 2005, I was super into the loved ones and Dave Haas turned me on to other bands outside of the realm of traditional punk. I would actually have conversations with him, Mark, believe it or not on MySpace. That's right. People, MySpace, right. Uh, about Your personal bands. friends with Dave Haas on MySpace. Yeah. I was, <laughs> he would reply to me because <laughs> I, because I would, I would talk to him. Now, Loved Ones have been inactive for a while, but Haas is doing his own thing. I dug the first two solo records, but eventually got a little lost, I would say, with the more recent stuff. Uh, but the Loved Ones, they also showcased a more uh, of a punk sound, but they had rock peeking its head out, I think. And uh, his solo work really is not too dissimilar from the last two, I would say, social de-releases. Um, the, the Loved Ones Keep Your Heart record is really cool. I like the song Jane. Breathe in, please be here, sickening, stuff like that. So more kind of your take on Dave Haas and the Loved Ones and again, that punk beats rock and roll sounds. Yeah, the Loved Ones were definitely an early front runner in this movement. Different from Social Distortion as they were more channeling um, of that kind of 70s, uh, almost Springsteen-like uh, lyrical nature. 
as opposed to the sound of the late 50s that right. um, social distortion really nailed. Um, you know, I didn't have any communication with Dave House uh, on MySpace. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. But uh, I, I dug what they were putting out, and I was surprised to find out he played guitar in Painted Black. Yeah. Uh, on Painted Black's first record. Yeah. Uh, which I, I love that record so much. It couldn't be any more different than any of the loved ones' records. Um, you know, other than the guitars, drums, and bass, like they, they were just such a different band. So it was so surprising to me uh, when you introduced me to this band and I found out they were connected. Anyways, uh, Keep Your Heart is, is a great record. I also really, really enjoyed Build and Burn. I remember Build and Burn, yeah. Getting that record um, and just being so impressed with it. Opening. Uh, with a number like Pretty Good Year with just uh, Dave's strange voice and a guitar is just a bold choice, but it, it sets the tone for the album perfectly. Um, where there, there is a great deal of hope on that record, it still comes coming from a very dark and personal place. Right. Uh, lines like, uh, will this overture seem dull to all my friends? And uh, one of my favorite lines is, because there's a faith that could tear this whole world apart. Yeah. Um, so pour the drinks and we'll cause the dancing that's to start love it you know i, I really dig it I, I like the way he wanted to be you know kind of this sad dark rock and roll dance band it really had that great aesthetic to it um then there are the songs like the bridge third shift uh louisiana that's just screams springsteen uh in their earnest and honest form uh you know a great band it's a great record i wish his solo stuff was as good I just, <laughs> yeah I yeah. just don't feel that his, his work outside of the, I, I think he's one of those guys that needs a band to balance him and help Good. with that song structure writing deal. But, you know, who knows why they're not doing stuff as, as loved ones and why he's doing his solo stuff. Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird. I just, this is another case where that guy got sober and I don't like anything he does anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, good for him. So, sobriety is great if you need sobriety. But yeah, yeah, no, no, I hear you. I like the stuff with the loved ones better. I wish there was more stuff of the loved ones. Third shift to on um, Build a Burn is a great song, and and you're right, they did bring in that little uh, Springsteen feel to it. Maybe uh, before uh, another band on here that we'll, we'll eventually talk about. So let's go to the next band. We haven't talked about them much, and um, it's Chamberlain. Chamberlain's a band. And speaking of MySpace earlier. Uh, Brian Fallon actually turned me on. We didn't talk, but he turned me on to this band. Uh, he did a song with them in 2010 called The South Has Spoiled Me. I sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. and this may, sometimes, and this may need to be a bigger conversation. I think they could be a precursor to Gaslight. Uh, singer David Moore has a similar vibe to Fallon's singing. That, that is for sure. There's more traditional rock feel with this band. And they were once, um, they went by the name Split Lip, uh, which had more uh, punk traits. Uh, their album, uh, The Moon, My Saddle, is a great listen. Tracks like Manhattan's Iron Horses, Mountain of a Heart, Lonesome Song. They're some of my favorites. Uh, Mark, I know we spoke briefly about them, but your, your thoughts on Chamberlain? Yeah, full disclosure, I am not familiar with this band. Um, the name sounds really familiar, uh, but unless this is the Chamberlain from the Menzingers Chamberlain Waits, then <laughs> I have absolutely nothing to contribute to this. Um, so, you know, hey, maybe that's something we do an episode on. Leave us a comment. Uh, tell me. Tell us which albums you want us to listen to. Frank's probably familiar with most of them. I'm familiar with none of them. We'll, we'll listen to you, dear listener. We'll there listen you go. You. Okay, cool, cool. So let's let's keep let's put that one in our back pocket for <laughs> for future episode. You mentioned the Menzingers. Okay, here's another band, the Menzingers. I mean, not much I could say about this band. Uh, I, we both fell in love with them the minute 
at least we came across them. I think that's how it went for us. Chamberlain Waits was such a great display of their full punk sound. And from there, it's just been record after record of great, great rock and roll tunes. But they still keep that punk vibe. I mean, On the Impossible Past, Rented World, After the Party, Hello Exile. If you're asking me to pick, I can't. I can't. I love how uh, Greg... Uh, just has progressed as a singer and a songwriter and has matured. And you you feel like you've really grown with this band. Uh, so Mark, the Menzingers are on my list for this, another band who's taken punk and rock and made it their own. Yeah, you know, that first record, A Lesson in the Abuse of Information Technology, yeah. uh, really took me by surprise. The cover of The Clash was Straight to Hell felt like it belonged on that album. That it, yes. It was almost birthday. And I remember you bringing that to me in a parking lot at a practice studio and going, dude, you got to check this out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was really the catalyst for me to listen to that record much deeper because there was so much going on there. It was a gritty record. And you can hear uh, they've got something to prove, perhaps to themselves more than anyone else, which is a trait that carries across uh, the record, even as the music shifted away from being uh, intentionally pretty punk and almost ska crossing into more of that rock and roll feel right right but again that energy of, uh, of insecurity so many of us identify as as punk rock uh comes with each men's singers record which is why they're so fucking amazing yeah i honestly couldn't pick a favorite record uh, of theirs if you put a gun to my head i'd probably just tell you to listen to hold on dodge oh that's great too man the ep it's it's four tracks if, you, if you've got the, the seven inch or it's five tracks if you're streaming it it's it's an amazing record it really does a great job of showing you how amazing this band is in a short period of time. It, it just, just an absolute phenomenal record. Check out. Yeah. I love everything they do as I know you do. Um, yeah. uh, good band, good band. So in my conversations with Dave Haas, here we go again. He, he mentioned, I know I keep name dropping. I always name drop. I'm so bad. This. I'm the worst person to know because I'll name drop to no end. I mean, how long am I, am I beating that uh, Chad Price pummel story for? I think everybody I come in contact with, I say it too. Oh man. All right. So anyway, Dave Ross turned me on to the whole study. He's the one who told me about them. When I first heard them, it was almost to the point where I felt like I heard music for the first time. I mean, Craig Finn's slurred voice with Dylan, you know, it was that Dylan and early Springsteen type lyrics wrapped around rock and roll. They also have this cool, I, I think they have a cool punk energy about them. And what I like about them is that they pay homage to all the greats, to so many that we love, and they keep it real and unique. Mark, you know, boys and girls in America and stay positive. I mean, that does it for me any day of the week. Uh, and pretty much all those tracks on there, uh, I'll take. But hold steady, Mark. What about them? Yeah, just so that I can keep, keep up with Frank, he, he did turn me on to the hold steady. So, you know, if de facto Dave House personally told me about the hold steady too. <laughs> there you go. Uh, no. uh, you know, this is a fascinating uh, phenomenon to me. I, I don't hear any other Minnesota bands when I listen to them. You know, I, I don't get uh, the replacements at all. I don't get Prince. I don't get, you know, that kind of classic cliche of... Yeah, Husker do none of that. Right? Yeah. You know, of what you expect. They really were just themselves. Um, you know, I hear the rock and roll. Craig Finn and crew have an amazing rich sound um, and what he's able to do lyrically is, is just outstanding. Um, you know, hiding references in plain sight so you've got to Google fucking every lyric to figure out what the subtext of it. Because sometimes it's a, a Dillinger uh, for reference and sometimes- Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a suicide reference or it's a, you know, it's there's just so much that the little things that are drizzled on top are, are just that. They're just the tip of the iceberg. 
uh, you know, truly amazing band. You mentioned uh, two of my favorite albums, but there is a soft spot in my heart for Heaven Is Whenever. I love it too, uh, by the way. Yes, yes. I get lost in the beauty of this album's hopelessness. This record's so fucking sad. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, in that respect, it's very much a tribute to artists like Springsteen. Um, it's so very much its own beautiful, sad, dark uh, creature. Uh, I adore that record. Yeah. Uh, we can get together the, the track with the title line and it, it just it just cuts so perfectly. I think so good. It's some of Finn's best work lyrically and showcases uh, you know the band's love for rock and roll and, and the true heartache of rock and roll. I think it, it's just a great record and a great band. Yeah, I love them. And and you know it's funny too because Craig Finn always mentions the the Minnesota roots. Well he loves the replacements. He loves the album Let It Be. I will dare is one of his favorite songs. But I think maybe that move to Brooklyn, maybe you know, geographically also kind of strayed them away from maybe that that sound. It could be part of it, but uh, a great angle that you bring up, a great point you bring up. I don't hear any Minnesota in there at all. Nothing, yeah. nothing of it. It's totally unique, totally original. So props to the Hold Steady, obviously. Um, no, yeah, Sorry, go good ahead. job. I hope it's encouraging, guys. I hope you still continue to do that music thing. Yeah. Yeah. The last record wasn't that great, so go back to what you were doing. I'm sorry. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So here's another band, Mark. We both love uh, Red City Radio. Uh, I love the way this band again has matured and progressed, just like the Benzingers. I think a lot of it, my opinion, of course, has to do with the fact that in 2014, band member. Uh, Paul, who also split singing duties with Garrett, uh, with, yeah, with Garrett uh, left. Um, once Paul left, it was all Garrett, and he's such a great crooner, man. I mean, the guy is just great voice, great speaking voice in general, great singing voice. To me, he's more personal and heartfelt. It shows with the direction of the band. Uh, I really feel like uh, they're a quality rock and roll band with a punk vibe. 2015 self-titled album is great. Tracks like Stranger and Let Me In, just fantastic. But that's another band, I think, that is that has blurred the lines, Mark, uh, Red City Radio. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, what's really interesting is if you look at those first two records uh, compared to the self-titled album from 2015, you really feel like they were they were trying to be more pop punk. And then 2015 happens. Paul's not in the band anymore. It's just Garrett Dale. And, yeah. and he just does a phenomenal job of really owning his place in the band and, and taking the band into their next step. Yeah. Anyways, what I wrote was, oh, dude, yeah, I love Red City Radio. Uh, keep an ear on this podcast. Come early December break, and I will be diving deep into their latest album, also titled Paradise. Oh. Yeah. Uh, their self-titled album, as uh, was mentioned uh, just a moment ago, from uh, that's probably where I fell in love with the band, honestly, especially their 2018 EP, Sky Time. Oh, so good. So good. Uh, it embraced their rock and roll roots, but it took said roots in just their own direction they just don't care what other people are doing and they just want to sound themselves it's you know so personal good. blunt lyrics paired with super clean backing vocals and balanced perfectly with loud guitars and drums that do as much to carry the rhythm uh, as they do to push the band's sound into the stratosphere um i like the early stuff too yeah um, you know that frank red city radio is, is putting on their best work to date now and you dear listener should be listening yes yes couldn't agree with you more. Uh, man, we will cover too much because we spoke about them a couple episodes again ago, but Blacklist Royals, uh, again, you know, we spoke about them. But uh, just real quick, you think they fit that punk style meets rock and roll sound? I mean, I think we do, right? Yeah, these guys found their way uh, to pair 
what social distortion did and make it more of their own, you know, kind of crashing the Ramones sound with perhaps less of a Hank Williams and more of a Buddy Holly's kind of 50s rock and roll as opposed to that kind of country or country outlaw style. Yeah. Um, definitely check out Die Young with me if you haven't. It's, oh, it's so good. 100% worth the time. Uh, it's just a great rock and roll band that has all the, the heart and, and uh, grit of a, of a great punk rock band. And it's, it's a shame that they're not making records right now. Yeah. If you got, I don't know who'd ever listen from that camp, but please make more records. <laughs> um, Beach Link. So this is a band that has a lot of buzz over the past uh, few years. Yeah. I know. And the buzz is such a 90s term, but I'm sorry. That's why I had to use it. <laughs> they're, they're known for having a more replacement style sound, which is not really what I had in mind when I was thinking of the punk meets rock and roll, but they embrace the rock and roll sound too. And the fact that they have love, uh, loud, uh, fuzzy punk guitars, Singer James Alex uh, does have a sincerity in his lyrics that bleed out maybe sometimes to have Heartland category. Uh, I can't say I was floored by their most recent release, uh, The Deadbeat Bang of Heartbeat City, though I felt it was a little too generic lyrically. However, I did like their 2016 release, A Loud Bash of Teenage Feelings, and the tune Spin the Dial is always one of my faves. Mark, quick thoughts on Beach Lang. This is another one that I thought was cool. I remember you telling me to listen to uh, A Loud Bash of Teenage Feelings. And I yeah, thought it was cool, yeah. but never really had the opportunity to, to just keep diving into them and, and develop it more. It's something I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to do because I, I gave the new album a quick listen as I was uh, reading through your notes here and kind of dug it. But I also wasn't, uh, despite my digging, wasn't digging that deep. So it's, uh, it's one <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to be looking back into. Okay, cool. So here in, our, in my other back pocket, we'll put that one in there too. <laughs> I'm wearing gym shorts, so there's no back pocket. Uh, but I bet they're comfy. They are. I'm extremely comfortable. <laughs> Comfort at all costs, folks. Yes. I'm the problem. Yeah. And last but not least, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and last but not least, uh, the Gaslight Anthem. Well, Mark, uh, you, I'm sure you knew. If you know me, which you, I know you do, you know I was building yeah. up this. Uh, I mean, we were in a band at the time, and I heard them. And the next thing you know, uh, we were in another band <laughs> and tried to capture that sound. Uh, did they start it? I'm not sure. Uh, but they, without a doubt, revived it, I think, in, in 2007, 2008. Springsteen was always huge. But the fact that they were, uh, that they kind of helped open the boss to a whole new and younger audience, almost kind of how Tony Bennett was appealing to youngsters many, many years ago. I think Gaslight, maybe if they did open the door, they at least had a hand in doing so. Uh, it was punk but rock and roll that touched the heart because they were from Jersey. And so was the boss and had those heartland elements. I love all the releases and you know me, Mark, the 59 sounds to me is their premier showcase of what they could do musically. So Mark, um, are they, or were they uh, the modern Kings of bringing this together? What's your thoughts here? Yeah, I don't know about Kings. Um, mm -hmm. you know, they, they certainly were the entry point, uh, for you and me, uh, you know, a band that we followed, we followed their career probably too closely despite them never really coming to Florida. Um, I, I know. Archives, the Heroes Review, Brian Fallon's latest solo effort. Yeah. Um, you know, in in a story arc similar to the men singers, the first LP singer swim was really the punkest they got. Um, right. Interestingly, both albums released in 2007. Yeah, it's crazy. Yes. Um, it focused more on raw energy than songwriting. Not a bad thing, but when songwriting came around on the next album, 
uh, it was certainly more than welcomed, uh, a, a more than welcome bend to the band that we were happy that they, they followed to, to its end, really. Um, and that's kind of where the Menzingers comparison really kind of stops, right? Um, yeah. The Gaslight Anthem seemed to struggle with getting past the success of the 59th Sound and their, their following albums. And the band would only put out three more uh, full-length albums after it. Uh, the last would be among my personal favorites of their work, Get Hurt, you know, yeah. opens with, you know, it's a chord short of like a grunge song, let's say vicious. Um, yet the mood of the album isn't defined by that one song. The band's uh, signature sound kind of slithers out behind the fuzzy guitars with the, the heartbreak somber tunes that we've, we've come to know and love from the band. Uh, in retrospect, the album feels like the band's swan song yeah. for me personally, uh, covering themes of emotion from all of the previous uh, albums while still managing to pull the listener into the fearful, fantasy-laden mind of Brian Fallon as he attempted to navigate his personal life and traumas. That was yeah. a good sentence. I wrote that myself. Yeah, that was um, great, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Uh, you know, we get tracks like Straight Paper, Underneath the Ground, and Red Violins. The album closes with Dark Places and Sweet Morphine, a beautiful pair of tragic ends uh, and how to cope with them or how not to cope with them, depending on uh, the point of view of the listener. I just, I love this record. It's, yeah, um, I think their best work. I would have loved to have seen them go on from this, but I, I don't think they were ever able to recover from how successful 59 Sound was and not being able to duplicate it. Yeah, it's funny with 59 Sound because I, I, you know, I'm sure as they were writing it, I would assume at least that they thought that they had something here and the release was great. And I think it's aged, of course, considerably well over time and it's continued to get popular. It's influenced bands too, like sure. the band we're going to cover tonight. So good point. Uh, I guess what I'm saying here is I, I, I agree with you. It, it was hard to recover from that. I mean, they had to do a whole switch. They never you know, revisited anything really from that at the end of the day. So, all right, Mark. So you ready to talk about Cold Ears? sure all right so here we are scotland's old cold years and their debut album paradise uh being relatively new listen there's not much information on them of course you could hear our interview with vocalist ross gordon in the archives so formed in 2014 the band is vocalist and guitar player guess what ross gordon <laughs> guitarist finlay uh, lewis craighead on bass and fraser allen on drums they released their first ep in 2015 titled Mile Marker, their second EP in 2016 called Death Crashers, Amazing, and then the third EP called Northern Blues. So here we are, Mark, 2020, with the release of their debut album, Paradise. I know for me, first impressions, hard on your sleeve, rock and roll, sound capturing that Jersey Americana style. You could tell these lads just want to get out and uh, where they are from physically and mentally, a la Born to Run. And my research, some of the songs that inspired on Paradise were War Brain by Alkaline Trio, uh, Where Do You Think You're Going by Dire Straits. Fantastic song, by the way. I'm On Fire by The Boss. I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty. Your Wild Years by Menzingers. Great song. Bad Luck and Bad Luck by Social T. So pretty good company here for sure when you're kind of thinking of an album. I really like how they're capturing this punk rock and roll songs into these tunes. And first impressions for me is that these tracks have some memorable moments that are going to make me want to re-listen to this again and again and again. What about you, Mark? Yeah, excellent description, buddy. Really, you really knocked that out there. You know, Heart on the Sleeve Rock and Roll is, is very fitting for them. I think, uh, you know, Ross certainly has the punk rock attitude, even if the band comes across uh, more rock and roll than, than punk rock per se. Um, that's a good thing for this band. It, it keeps them sharp, keeps them hungry, and that comes across very well on this record. On this record. Uh, you ready uh, for me to jump in? 
Yeah, man. If there was a pool, I'd go right in. All right. All right. So uh, track number one is called 31. Uh, let's talk about setting the tone of this album. Um, no better place than the first track to do that. Uh, we get Ross uh, and an acoustic guitar putting himself out there for uh, a really honest moment here. Um, they could have cut it shorter, but I like what they, they did with this move by leaving it so long. because It's like a good 45 seconds. Right, totally. Um, not so much in his, his confidence, but rather his vulnerability. Really just showed all of his cards right up front. Really bold move. Looking back at your life at 31 can be such a disastrous thing, depending on you know, the regrets you've collected along the way in your 20s. It's clear he has his share of regrets to, to fill an album. Uh, and he's going to use this opportunity to let us into that mindset. Um, I also really like the guitar solo here. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Great opening track. Really captures the moment in Singer Ross's life. Uh, the blood on the streets tonight. That's so, to me, that's a classic like rock and punk phrasing. And I really love it. I love the rocking solo, like you said, the build up, the loudness, the mix, the harmonies, the bounce of uh, the song uh, of his divorce and then watching his sister get married, uh, you know, being polar opposites on the emotion set, again, is nicely captured here. So I like how they ended it with the acoustic as well. Um, so good, good, good opening track. So then we move on to the second track, Life with a View. This is where this Gaslight style song, I think from Sweet Sink or Swim kind of enters and Ross captures little Dave Haas with his voice. And I like how the uh, the verses are barren and the chorus builds up. Uh, to me, this is a classic formula of the style and throw some you know questions in there about uh, life and wanting things to be better into this whole musical crockpot, so to speak. So um, you, you get, again, more of that American, Americana Jersey Heartland sound. So what about you, Mark? Yeah, it's hard to disagree with you there, buddy. Uh, I just uh, add that I like their approach to this style. Fortunately, there isn't too much of sounding like this on the album, and they build a, a solid foundation for the band uh, to really call their own. Um, this is a part of it, but it's not its not all that they are. There's so much more to this band than, than this, and this is a, a great way for them to kind of pay homage to some of the things that are inspiring them at the moment, but also lay the foundation for what they are as a band and who they're going to be. Uh, as far as the song goes, it's quite solid. I think this would make a great single. Um, not necessarily my favorite on the album, sure, um, but I really dig it. Cool. Uh, track number three is Night Like This. It's a great showcase of uh, Ross's voice as well as uh, how steady the rhythm section of this band is. I love the big chorus and the classic rock on, uh, uh, excuse me, classic rock and roll structure of this number. Just really, really yeah. great. Yeah, to me, this is like, it's that coming of age love song. You know, the, this was the first song mm -hmm. on the album that really captured my attention and made me want to pursue these guys more. You know, standing on a corner night like this, what a memorable chorus. And I could see us kind of singing along with this, the bunch of our buddies, you know, and our friends. Uh, it's the sound of today's rock and roll for me. Uh, the song really personifies that. And I know you have these bands that are like the throwback to that 70s style, like Rival Sons and Greta Van Fleet. But to me, if I needed to some, tell someone, uh, what rock sounds like in 2020. Um, if they want a song, I, you know, I, I might give them this song. So Night Like This, I, I think it's yeah. a good song. Northern Blues, another standout track for me. I mean, to me, this is their Born to Run. Uh, here's a quote. You know, this is from Ross, uh, not from our interview, but in, in research um, in, in another interview. 
says our hometown's a shithole, Ross Spitz, uh, with characteristically uh, direct candor. This album's called Paradise because Aberdeen is not a paradise. It's horrible. It's gray. It's cold all the time. We live and work here. It's not very happy. It's quite morbid when you stop to think about it. At the same time, it's home. So I really like the streets are on fire and the sky is falling down around us. Uh, coupled with, we'll get out of this soon. It's great overall rock sound. Uh, to me, it's a really special tune. Uh, the use of uh, the F word is welcome because it really invokes emotion to the subject matter. And since it's not every other word, it gets to me taken seriously. And, uh, you know, the beginning of it, Mark, kind of sounds like when we were in a band called The 33 with a song that we used to play called Empty Starter. So right away, I kind of have a little kinship to this. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. You know, this is uh, one of my favorite songs from the album. Um, you know, looking back at our discography, when we did Fugazi Spotlight, we talked about um, Guy Pichetta. Pichetta. Yeah. Pachado. Yeah. Um, and how his writing uh, really felt like a stream of consciousness a lot of times. Um, you really get that in this kind of opening, like we're reading directly from Ross's journal and he's managed to work out the song's chorus in the middle of, you know, the lament about his home. Um, one of the other things I love about this song is, is how clean it is. Even the slowed down kind of breakdown, quote unquote, um, where they could have used some distortion to really fuzz things up and the guitar stayed bright and clean. Um, and you feel the band is uh, enveloped in the struggle to break free of the restraints that is Aberdeen. I think it's a really well done number. And, and then past that, like with the, the soundscape, you guys hear me and Frank talk about soundscape all the time. They managed to en encompass that kind of like, you know, remember the Simpsons movie where they put the dome over Springfield? Yes, yes. They managed to, to nail what that would sound like. To nice. Me. Okay. So with uh, track five, we have a song track called Breath. Um, you know, with all I said about the previous track, Breath is that moment of breaking loose of that uh, and getting really loud, of breaking out of that restraint. Um, I love the way they use profanity so selectively. Right. Um, to more as punctuation. I think that's what you were trying to allude to earlier. Um, I love these kinds of rock tunes, up-tempo, but the hi-hat is, is clinched, shut, only opening to help uh, push the rhythm heavier and heavier and paired with the aggressive bass and guitar. Just yeah. really awesome song. A bold choice for a song about catching your breath uh, before your next move. I, I really dig the, the structure of the song. Yeah, yeah. I, lo I love the loudness of the song. Nice drum beat in the beginning. And in comes the guitars and Ross's really impressive vocals. Uh, to me, this almost crosses that uh, hot water music style sound at times. Ooh, uh, it's big, big, loud, singable choruses with some late 80s, early 90s rock sounds. Again, I, you know, the, the whole I got a reason to breathe uh, very, very much sticks with you. So uh, another cool track. Next, we get The Weights. Uh, it's originally on the Mile Marker EP, and it's reflecting on Ross's heartbreak and divorce. Uh, while that version did not have the piano and had more somber, this one has a more somber tone. I like how the version captures all that emotion. Uh, this is also where I draw, here we go, some parallels to the Swinker Swim record because you have all these rocking songs, and then around midway, you get the slower tune, um, which Navasink Banks was for uh, Sink or Swim. Uh, I love the layout uh, for an album like that because it gives us really the foundation of what the band is about and then gives us a little taste of perhaps what could come in future records. So, yeah, you make a great point about the, the pacing and the layout of this record. It, it's just so really well done. It, they make they do a great job of making it palatable so that you're really uh, yeah. actively listening to each song because they're not just repeating the same style over and over and over. Yeah, totally. Um, track seven is Burn the House Down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of hate to keep comparing them to other bands, but this reminded me very much of the Menzingers' House on Fire. 
uh, kind of in theme, but uh, I love how uh, aggressively they play it rather than somber. It almost feels like a reason, or excuse me, it feels like a response to the Menzinger song. Uh, if you kind of look at the way the songs are structured, it's an interesting thing. I'm sure they have nothing to do with each other, but just as you're in your brain connecting dots that don't connect, check that one out. Uh, regardless, this feels you know like one of the more kind of punk moments on the album yes. uh, in tone, yes, but also in concept, making this dr dramatic change um, and and what it will mean. Uh, it's a great fucking tune. Yeah, yeah, I like the pissed off one, two, three, four in the beginning, and I love you know, this is, we go back to this on the record, you know, structurally, it's a, it's such a cool sound where you get these in your face octaves and notes, and then the palm muted verses, vocal harmonies, memorable chorus, solo, heartfelt lyrics, and history card named desire. I have no idea why I was putting that in there. I was just trying to be silly. <laughs> but anyway, listen, this song is all the awesome ingredients uh, that make up uh, a style that, that I love, that I love a lot. So then we move on to electricity. So the bosses I'm on fire is where the song uh, began with regards to the inspiration uh, from my research. Again, a great and cool punchy intro. And I love the use of the chords here. And then we get the verse that steps back for a minute and then it gets rougher and smooth lyrics, you know, fire, electricity, the burning desires that are felt, they're showcased here. The words are matched with the intensity of the music. Again, I'm, I'm you know, I really just love it. And I'm not trying to say the same things about these tunes, but it's, it's honestly how I feel. <laughs> cool. Uh, you know, this is uh, this to me could easily be a single. You know, great, yeah. tune, great use of the studio here to develop the sound uh, of the track. There's a lot of little creaks and moans uh, from guitars to feedback that had just a lot of texture uh, to the soundscape of this record. Yeah. Really smart song. I, I think you described it pretty perfectly. Um, just really great. And, and this was a great one to showcase the time they spent in the studio. Yeah. Um, Track nine is too far gone. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. There's something about the song that feels like you should be drinking a beer with your buddies while it plays. Um, I, I just the feeling I got from it. Ross's ability to convey the darkness of the world around him lyrically is, is crystal clear. And the band does a great job of supporting uh, the emotions of the song musically. I just think it's a, it's a really great tune. Feels like a song that you can drink with your buddies. Yeah, yeah. Focusing on the uncertainty of the future to me, uh, musically, you know, it sounds like a mix again of loved ones and maybe some things we'd hear on Swim. Uh, I really like the melody on the bridge here, especially with the harmonies and how that leads right into the solo. So this band knows how to rock. And this was another just enjoying tune here for me. Uh, hold on. I, I love the vibe of the song. We get the drum and the cool effect pedal uh, with the guitar riff. That Paradise theme is again highlighted where one gets in this cycle and circle and all they want to do is get out of it. However, vices and all that life's obstacles kind of keep you stuck there a little bit. Uh, this thing relates to everyone because it stretches to many boundaries. And that's why to me, it never gets old for a song topic. So hold on, Mark. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Frank. Uh, very smart uh, move placing this song after So Far Gone. Um, like we're working through a hangover with the band and Too Far Gone was maybe the last shot of whiskey. Uh, yeah. And the sun kind of laser focus on your eyes as you're waking up. Um, while Hold On is kind of perfect, that, that perfect greasy hamburger still in your stomach and a, uh, another cold beer to just kind of take back the headache. I really love the way these two songs play off each other. Of course, we do get uh, that line about champagne and cocaine, so maybe he's partying in a higher tax bracket than I am. But uh, you know what? It's honestly probably just a great line that works really beautifully, um, you know, in setting that distinction of excess. Nice, nice. Yeah. 
Uh, track 11 is called Dropout. Um, this song does a good job of blending these great big choruses together with uh, some really wonderfully thoughtful lyrics. Uh, it almost got like a stadium anthem air about it. Yeah. Uh, another song I'd love to see get a shot as a signal. Um, it's just such a great example of what The Cold Years is doing absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, to me, like uh, the intro was like a little 80s infused here in a good way. I like the minor chords. I really love how they make me feel inside and that carries to the verses. And we're at the point in the you know, episode where I highlight a, you know, a, a piece of the song and I say how I would like to do that w when writing. So, you know, I know I always say that that's, that's what the beginning here. I'd love to do that. So <laughs> Ross's vocals hit some really nice and precise high notes, heartfelt voices, uh, verses and choruses that leave an impression. Um, and yeah, that that's the song. It's that ability to escape and feel good and rock and roll tune that I love. So yeah, it's a, it's a really good tune. Drop out. Uh, number 12 is 62. My generation's falling apart. Another tune with that classic traits that the band is establishing so early in their career. Uh, topically, it's about, uh, according to Ross, Brexit, and I'm nowhere near savvy to comment on that topic either ways, but it's another song I dig. Maybe melody-wise, I would say probably it's on the bottom tier for me as far as sticking in my head. Uh, that doesn't make it bad by any means, just the other tunes are just circulating throughout my thoughts way more often, that's all. This is the one you'll remember in the interview. Uh, I yes. thought had a little bit more meaning than, than Brexit. The mention of the age, uh, the album opener being called. Which was a great tie-in. Like, I totally got it, like, the way yeah. you were saying it. You know, um, it feels like they, they could have been a, a continuation of the idea of, you know, of, of looking back from 31 and this one looking up at 62. But he does yeah. tie in the, the 62. Um, and I think that's kind of what affects um, maybe the chorus of this song doesn't give it quite the richness because it is so pinned specifically on an idea as opposed to um, tying it into the rest of the album. But you know, credit to him for keeping it um, true to, to what he wants it to be. I, yeah. I gotta give him credit for that. Uh, I love the big old classic guitar solo here uh, yeah. that we get. The, there's been some really solid guitar playing throughout the album. Uh, this for me is just kind of the best one. I really like Again, not to harp on him and tell him he's wrong, but that guitar solo in the first one, the guitar solo in this one, if Hunter, the, the last song, isn't on here, the, the perfect book ends to this record. Totally. I really, I really feel so. That said, Hunter's a great fucking song. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, you know, to close out the album, we, we get, uh, you know, kind of a good old-fashioned sentimental number complete with acoustic art, guitar intro, um, where this could have been cliche. I like the way Cold Years approach the track. Uh, the trappings of a, a closing track are polished over. You get this clear and personal lyrics about um, any lyrics that anyone can relate to, excuse me, uh, where most bands would fill it with cliches. We're contributing to a genuine emotional song uh, about a loved one that won't return. And this one just happens to be about his dog. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, I'm sorry to keep doing this, but I'm going to draw another comparison to Seeker Swim where we're at the end of the album and get an acoustic song. Um, yeah, this is about Ross's dog and how bad it was that you know, he had to put it to sleep. It's touching. And I like when bands almost do these as tributes to one's life at the end of the album, especially at the end of a powerful album. It's a great bookend and, and I, it's a great way to honor a passing. Uh, nice clarity with the, acoustic, with the acoustic chords and that's how I like it to sound. And it's a great way to end an album. So, um, and, and just back it up for a second. I 
I still think you're onto something with the 3162 because right, an album progresses, life progresses, you get to 62, you look back at 31. Like I just I get where you're yeah. going. So <laughs> he needed to make a statement about Brexit. He made that pretty clear in the interview that he, he really wanted to say something about it. And, and he does. And yeah. He does a great job of expressing that. I just feel like there was an opportunity to make that song not about Brexit and, and more about life. And yeah. that may have helped it a little bit. But I think at the same time, again, he stayed really true to who he was. Totally. By doing that, you know, he made he made a direct point to point out his, his politics and and how he thought that his band is an appropriate place to use that platform. Sure, so, sure. You know, I, I commend him for doing so. Absolutely, sure. So, Mark, some final thoughts. Yeah, I'm happy you asked because I was about to ask you if I could. Uh, look, I, I actually kind of really adore this record. Uh, I think at first glance, it can be easy to pick out the influences and compare them to the other bands that you've heard us do tonight. Um, but as this record kind of digs its way into your brain through your ear, you get lost uh, and it's, it stands remarkably well on its own. It's clear that the additional time the band found themselves in the studio turned out to be a good thing as they were able to take the time and squeeze out the very best of what they had inside of it. Uh, be sure to check out their earlier work. Um, yes. As, as well to, to see them develop. Cause I think Frank makes a really great point with the, the track, help me out with the name of the track that was on one of the EPs earlier. Uh, the Weights? Yes, The Weights. Um, hearing it develop from there to here. And when Frank said, you can really hear what the band's going to sound like. I think he nailed that because you're hearing directly the band progress and grow and develop into this really, really wonderful thing. Um, yeah. Is this a rock and roll record or a punk rock record? I don't know. Uh, it's probably somewhere <laughs> in between uh, both of them. And while uh, we talk about some great bands that kind of straddle that line, the cold years are a promising look at whatever this subgenre is about to be in the years to come. I really feel like these guys have the ability to, to push this style, this this class of its own, this own, you know, yeah, whatever the fuck this subgenre is. <laughs> and, and, take it to the next level with some really quality songwriters. What do you, you think, Yeah, totally. And, you know, we're always going to be bashing the, the genre theme home and, and we love a good, you know, we love mashing things up. So uh, it, it's all, that's going to be a continual talk in our, in our episodes, but yes, Mark, I feel there's tremendous upside with this band. And of course this album, I think you nailed it. Uh, you know, it's where somewhere the middle of punk and rock meet. It, is it uh, where, whatever it is, listen, it's loud. It's super enjoyable. It's a fun record it's serious it has everything you want check out the early work for sure as you will hear some uh, really you'll hear more well-written uh tunes as well um um not more meaning better than paradise but in addition to paradise you'll hear more well-written tunes yeah in addition more of their things you'll hear more of their things yes exactly so i'm excited to see where this band goes and it was a great interview ross and now we have this you know extra perspective on the album which is awesome so yeah, excited for their future. Speaking of future, Mark, do you want to tell everybody what we have in store for them in the next episode? Yeah, next week, Frank and I uh, will be chatting about a band we've been following for really years now. Years. Uh, and we wanted to find a, the right way to put bringing them on the program. Um, we are talking about none other than the incomparable. I think incomparable is a good word for that. I think so. Uh, Ibit Brothers. Yeah. Uh, with the release of the, the Gleam 3, uh, we thought it'd be an interesting look at all of the Gleams. It'd be a great way is to you know, kind of understand where the brothers came from, where they might go from here. And, and it should be a good conversation. We'll do it a little bit spotlight style, but really focus on those three records. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the they've it's their band we've listened to for a while. Mark, we saw them up in uh, in Palm Beach. To, well, down in Palm Beach for you, up in Palm Beach for me. Uh, here. Yes, yes, and it was, it was a great time. Day. Yep, totally. That, I hope that's not the last time I saw your wife. No, I've seen her since then. Never mind. No, no, it's been know. a while. Generally. Yeah, it's been a while, but but yeah. <laughs> um, but the first two gleams are something we we thoroughly enjoyed, and with the recent release of the third gleam. It made sense for us to look this uh, to look at uh, at this more in detail. And like Mark said, it's going to be uh, kind of a spotlight, but also then highlighting the gleams. And I think it's going to be really good. So uh, we're amped about it. I hope you guys are amped about it. Uh, we thank everybody for listening out there. Be sure to check us out on all the avenues to listen to podcasts, including now Apple Music. Let us know, of course, if you have a record that you want us to review. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and stay safe out there. Bye bye.